This is Dr. Stan May, and you're listening to Drawing from the Well, a weekly podcast by Chronological Bible Teaching Ministries. This is Jonathan Doolin here once again with Dr. Stan May to discuss some of the discovery questions from Tyndale's one-year chronological study Bible. The first question is, why does God judge Israel for killing the Gibeonites, and what does this story teach about the importance of keeping covenants? Jonathan, this is one of the strange stories of the Old Testament because we're never told in Scripture that Saul did this until now. Saul's disobedience to God it's only revealed at this time. We go back in the text, and you don't find ever that Saul attacked Gibeah. Uh, but we learn of these attacks from God, and, and we see that they bring God's judgment because Joshua and the elders made a covenant with the Gibeonites, even though they were deceitful, and they they tricked them into that, that uh, covenant. Still, God enforced the honor of that covenant because God is a covenant-keeping God, and he teaches his people that no matter how how perhaps wrongly the covenant was made in which they entered, still God holds his people to vows. You remember in Numbers 30, he tells them that if you make a vow, you must keep it. Well, a covenant is one form of an oath or a vow. And so because Israel didn't keep that covenant, there came judgment. And unfortunately, Saul's family paid the price of that. It allowed a woman in Saul's family to show her love and devotion and David honored her, but it did cost Saul family members, and it just teaches us the importance of keeping covenant. And we discussed on a previous episode that part of the reason that God takes so seriously our keeping of covenants is that he is, an, he is a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God, and we reflect Amen. his nature. What does Satan's involvement in the First Chronicles census account suggest about the way he works in people's lives? How could Exodus 30, verse 12, explain why God judged Israel? Well, if you read the two accounts, the Samuel account and the Chronicles account, they differ. Uh, and in one, it says the Lord judged Israel, and the second one says Satan did. The interesting story about that is, is that it teaches us what's actually going on in heaven sometimes. I mean, these are sort of glimpses into heaven, like Job was a glimpse into heaven. What's going on? Well, David disobeys God takes a census, that, and then doesn't require the ransom money, which is what the Exodus command tells us, that when you take a census, you're to require the census money for it, and it's a ransom for everyone who's counted. David doesn't do that, as we know, and in fact, he and Joab even have words over this. But what we learn here is that though God uses, God sends the judgment, probably what happens is just like um, in Isaiah 22, 8, it says that God removed the hedge of protection from Judah. In the same way, because of Israel's sin, God just removes the hedge of protection and allows the, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy to do what he wants to do anyway, which tells us that Satan is bound. He can only do what God allows him to do. And when we honor and follow the Lord, the Lord generally keeps a hedge of protection around us. But when we sin, as David did in this situation, God may just lift that hedge, and that's his judgment, lifting the hedge, and Satan's attack then is now unhindered because Satan hates God's people. 
Mm. As Jesus said, he only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Mm. Amen. The next question um, deals with um, David preparing Solomon to build the temple. We talked about in a previous episode, and we've already read um, that David wanted to build a temple for God. God doesn't allow it. So how does David prepare Solomon um, to build God's temple? These passages, this, this day is a long day of names, of people, and organizational structures. But what God makes clear to us about David is that David thinks long-term. You know, Jonathan, we've said before, uh, leaders think longer than everybody else. Leaders look at the consequences of issues, and they think longer-term than everybody else. David so establishes the Levitical structures that years later, they go back to David's structures instead of Moses' laws, because Moses states that the the Levites will work, but David instructs the Levites And so that more than likely when we see John the Baptist's father in the temple, he's simply following out a plan that David put in operation. Now this matters because David motivates the people to build. He prepares the people, putting them in their orders, and everybody knows what they're supposed to do. So David's really got Solomon stepping into a well-oiled machine that will keep the kingdom functioning, soldiers that will be on card every month of the year, Levites who will be in their places every month of the year. And he's prepared this, and David has so established it that all Solomon has to do is walk in and not mess up, basically. Uh, Secondly, in a very related um, question, how does David prepare Solomon spiritually and mentally to build the temple and to lead the kingdom? Well... David's passion for the glory of God drives all that he does. Yes, he sins. But every one of us knows that the trajectory of our lives is that we want to honor God. Once we come to know the Lord Jesus and really begin to grow in his word, we want to honor God with our lives. Well, David sins and sins grievously and repents brokenheartedly. But David comes to Solomon and he pours himself into Solomon one more time. He reminds him of his lifelong passion. It was in my heart to build a temple for the Lord. In front of the nation, he challenges him to fulfill that passion. He encourages him to do it. He gives him, uh, he strengthens him in every way that a father can strengthen a son. And then he gives him two things. He gives him the funding, and you know we're going to see this too, But he gives him the plans. He says his plans that were given to him by the Spirit of the Lord. So God has given him the plans. And so what David does is as a leader, he speaks from a passion that's driven by the Word, and he leads others to fulfill not his goals but God's purposes. And so David is able to motivate his son to to take hold of the purposes of God for which God has raised him up at this moment and embrace those purposes And he listens to his father, and I can only imagine the passion that would have come out in in this speech. I just imagine the heart of David bursting with joy, encouraging Solomon with a vision, wanting to see his life's work fulfilled. I can only imagine how it sounded that day. Yeah, I'm reminded of a recent sermon where you talk about Moses looking into the promised land, wishing that he could go into it. And I'm sure David, as he prepares the building of the temple, he's just wishing that he could see it. Amen. 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 Next. How does David's devotion lead him to give, and how does his giving influence the other leaders to give? 
Yeah, this is uh, one of the great lessons of the Bible is, is that God delights in cheerful givers. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that, uh, that God loves to teach his people to give because giving is only a recognition that we're giving back to him of what we've been, what we've received, what he's, we've been given. And giving is our opportunity to say to the Lord, this is me wanting to honor you in what little way I can, because you are so great. You don't need my money, but the fact that you would let me give it blows me away. This is how David actually expresses it. He, he's overwhelmed because he, he gives literally billions of dollars to the building of the temple. And, and then he says, but everything that we're given, you just gave to us. I mean, I, I, everything that I'm giving is what you already gave to me. And then he challenges the nation to build to something that's not just the construction of a building. And he leads them to get the vision that they are in embracing a kingdom work. And when people give to kingdom work, when people give to passion, when people give to something that will outlast them and that will bring glory to God, people can give with joy and passion because giving always starts at the top. Mm-hmm. David can't motivate people to give if he doesn't give. Right. And so because he passionately, generously gives, he's able to raise up generations of givers. And he gives uh, out of passion and he gives two kingdom enterprises. And because of that, the nation unites with him. The leaders give billions of dollars together, and the work is going to go forth. It's mm. amazing. Mm. Amen. Amen. Lastly, how does David view humanity apart from God and in relationship with God? What does this perspective teach us about sin and faith? As David's life ends, the the chronological Bible moves us into the Psalms that he left. In the Psalms, we see David unpacking the truths that have shaped his life and that therefore shape his theology. And he sees all of humanity in one of two camps. Either they are the wicked, whom God must judge, who reveal their hearts through lies and hatred of God's people, wicked deeds and a willingness to ignore God, or they're the righteous. And the righteous take refuge in the Lord himself. They trust in the salvation of the Lord. They've been declared innocent of their sin by the Lord. And for David, real faith is not seen in words, but in works. I mean, he says that in the Psalms. Real faith clings solely to the Lord and does not rest on empty professions or religious activity. And this is what's clear for David. Sin isn't a mistake, a slip, or just a fault because, quote, no one is perfect. No, David sees sin as rebellion against a holy God, pride that rejects God's word and his work of salvation, and actions that are corresponding that hurt others and dishonor the image of God in man, and therefore do not bring glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Mack. Thanks for joining us. Listen in each week with CBT as we draw from the well of the word to answer questions from the weekly reading of the One Year Chronological Study Bible.